Hi everyone, so it's Amy again from Reach to Speak Out and I'm joined by my lovely other half, Andy. Hello. And we're going to be talking, just a generalised conversation about men and women's mental health and the differences. Yeah. Along with some of the common perceptions, is that right? Yeah, Yeah. So before we go anywhere, um, you know, both of us have suffered and still do suffer with certain aspects of our mental health and um, whether that be from a condition like myself I've got borderline personality disorder um, and PTSD but Andy you can just have some really harsh days can't you at work and can have an effect on your mental health as well. I definitely that's it because like it's working as a prison officer you know you see some things yeah uh, that you don't see every day in normal life and in other jobs. Um, you know that, you know, you've seen some things yourself. So, What I am really pleased, actually, one of the big things that we have come across is that men are really struggling, although it is getting better, um, that the perception of the stigma and not being able to talk about mental health um, is slowly sort of getting better and people are accepting that mental health is a real thing. We both worked in, and you still do, in a male-predominantly environment um, prison service, didn't we? Yeah. So basically meaning that there was female staff, but all of the inmates were male. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like I say, going back to this male perception of you know, suffering with mental health. I've personally only noticed that in the last, like, five to ten years where it's getting easier and easier for men to talk about it and there's been more charities and more, you know, like, adverts out there, really, saying about men, you know, to, like, speak up. So, like, the media, yeah. yeah saying, you know, it's okay to speak up about it um, because, you know, going back years ago, it was... The men was always perceived to be like, you know, like the strong one in the family and like you say the breadwinner and this, that and the other and they weren't not saying they weren't allowed to have these emotions, but they weren't allowed to show them. Yeah. You know, so they bottled them up in that and then that's when they started getting issues. That's when they started suffering more. And like even now the male suicide rate is ridiculously high. Yeah. I don't quote me on it, but I did read the other day that it's something like 12 men a day in the country that are taking their life. And it's so sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad that suicide occurs. And my perception of suicide is it's not committed suicide because committed is a phrase and term of actually committing a crime. Mm -hmm. And it used to be a crime to take your own life. Yeah. But it isn't now. It's undertaking suicide. Yeah. And suicide can be a massive, massive cry for help. You know, it might be yeah. somebody who attempts and fortunately fails. Um, but there are people who, as we've both experienced, are determined because they don't feel that there is any other way out of a situation that could be temporary for them. So... Going back to 
men would you say that in your experience personally that you felt it was something to be ashamed of Aye, definitely especially you know like when i was a lot younger um you know like i started working as a doorman when i was like 19 so i was kind of thrust into it well so i wasn't thrust i was like involved in this really macho male environment mm. You couldn't show any emotions like that. You know, I'd done that for like 13 years. Um, and at the time, you know, as you know, I was a lot bigger. I had this, like, kind of persona. I was this big guy, Scottish, for Glasgow. But a fucking tough guy, you know what I mean? And it's... You couldn't show any emotions like that. Yeah. You know, it was unheard of. Um, but, you know, went through some things in my life. Lost my sister uh, to cancer when she was 26. Lost my mum through alcoholism. You know, um, lost other family members. And I suffered really bad. Um, but I didn't know who to talk to, who to turn to. And it had a really profound effect on me. Just to take you back, I know with my own experiences that there's times in my life where I have suffered but haven't realised that I am suffering, do you think that could have been prevented if it was okay to talk about how you were, how you were genuinely feeling? Yeah, definitely. If I had, you know, the thing, or if I was more aware of the things, you know, like around place, whether it be, you know, like certain charities or even the fact, felt I could talk to family members, friends, whatever. If I felt I could open up more and talk more how I was feeling, I don't think I would have suffered half as bad as I did. So also talking about perception, big guy, you were what, at your heaviest 30 stone? Yeah. You had, and the funny thing is we laugh about it today because... You have a really strong Scottish accent and when you elevate your voice, it sounds as though you're being aggressive, mm -hmm. but that's just who you are. So I would imagine you were quite profusely challenged while you were in on the doors and that perception of, say, if you were to go up to a manager or staff member and say, look, man, I'm really, really struggling. Do you think that somebody in that position would have been like, Wow, I'd yeah. never have expected Andy to be yeah, suffering. Definitely, it's like I'm not saying they wouldn't take you seriously, but they'd definitely be taken back and thinking, "Nah, you know, like not this guy." You know what I mean? This is this is a guy who like stands there most, you know, week, well, pretty much every weekends faces abuse, stands there, bats it off, and all that, and involved in you know this, that, and other doesn't, you know, bat an eyelid, and that's it. So how come all of a sudden he's saying he's feeling this way, you know, he's feeling sad, depressed, he doesn't know what to do, and he's, you know, they're crying behind closed doors. It's like, nah, that's not right. Because I think it's fair to say that you suffered, didn't you, when it was mm. regarding your weight, and you did yeah. suffer in silence as well, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. Mm. You know, you get targeted you get bullied you know things like that strangers comment on your weight you know people passing by and that and like i say just luckily enough 
I'm quite witted. I'm a funny guy. I know <laughs> I am. So I could, you know, like give a quick remark back most yeah. of the time, but still, you know, when you get home, when you're in your room by yourself, it's dawns on you, doesn't it? Yeah, totally different world. Start replaying things over in your mind, and I think, you know, why? Why are people like that? And it's just not nice. Do you know what I mean? So it's just. So, what do you think is working well for the influencing of men to talk? Um, and what do you think needs to happen more? Well, I think now, like, obviously, social media is getting better for men to talk. And there's more and more, say, celebrities, there's footballers, there's personalities, you know, bigger personalities out there talking openly about their issues with mental health and depression and struggling and that. And that does help because then you think, well, look at this guy, you know, he's in a high-profile position, yet he suffers. You know, you've got guys like, you know, unfortunately, Robin Williams, yeah. you know, took his own life, everybody. He made so many people laugh and so many people happy. And for him to do that, everybody's like, wow. Yeah. Never realised that. Even nowadays, footballers, and that's it, they suffer from it. And you just think, you look at it from now, so you think, wow, this guy's paid millions of pounds a year. He's doing something, you know, most boys dream of. Yeah. And you think, what if you got to be depressed about me? Yeah, yeah. But you just never know what's going on in somebody's life and what they experience in that, so... Again, it's that old adage thing, just be kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know in football, like, people give abuse and this, that, and other because he's playing for the rival team. But at the end of the day, he's someone's son, could be father, uncle, whatever. He's a human being. He's got feelings. It doesn't matter, you know, what you do for a living. It doesn't matter about the colour of your skin, your sexuality or whatever. Just be nice and yeah. don't judge. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. It's, you know, I think, like, equality and diversity comes into this a lot, you know. We should be non-judgmental. We should be welcoming. It should be, a, you know, a, a good life balance. And it is it is working. It is, we are getting the word out there and people are supporting such great causes. Um, social media, I think, has had a massively positive impact Although it can be negative, but yeah. again, that's all about this life balance, isn't it, really? Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think from a woman's point of view, personally, myself, I know I'm a lot more in touch with my emotions. I certainly recognise when I'm feeling sad, when I'm happy, Um like being able to take a step back and sort of look outside of the circle and the box now. Whereas I used to take things very personally. I was a very sensitive soul. I still am to a degree, but um, it's, it's quite, I think I've been liberated because I'm now sort of taking a step back from people who I just wanted to change their world. I wanted to save the world and everybody that mm. I came into contact with. Um, knowing that actually one of the reasons why I was very much an empathic person is one, I was born like that, but also I self-loathed for so many years mm. that to support people was almost like soothing to the soul. 
Mm. Um, and that was what gave me purpose in life. Um, you know, struggled as a young mom with the girls. I was a single parent. Um, ended up walking away from work because I was medically discharged. You know, I was in quite a, I wouldn't say dangerous position but I was working with people that were going into theatre and you know I wasn't well enough I was I could have made mistakes and it could have caused people some quite nasty injuries so you know the purpose of just being a mum was never enough and I was really lost so but moving on from then one of the big things that I sort of struggle with personally was to be able to go well hang on a minute I'm not gonna complete all of these tasks today some can wait for tomorrow and I felt as though I needed to get to the very end but I was just put on more and more and it was never it was not stopping the the the, the goalposts were moving forever and I remember when we went on holiday abroad our last holiday you could see that I was just in the depths of despair and I had deflected that to our relationship and not to what was going on it with me. Yeah. And I know it was because at that time I felt ashamed of being, feeling the way I was. And I think I felt ashamed because I was experiencing bullying. Yeah. And I'm somebody who does have a backbone and, and will say no and jog on and whatnot, but... I felt so manipulated to a point where I was stuck mm. and my mental health declined massively and, you know, I'd attempted to take my own life and that was really, really sad. Um, You know, and those thoughts still come into my head every now and again and, as mm. you know, reach out and experience and, and speak to yourself. But I think, I think women are naturally more in tune with their emotions. Yeah. I think it stems back to that we, you know, have the ability to create life and to harbour it and to then birth that life. I also think it's, you know, very much to do with our menstrual cycles and our genes and the way that we're built. And I'm not saying every female's like this, but, you know, I think it's a much easier for somebody to cry um, for a female to cry, for a female to give love in terms of hugging and showing emotions. Yeah. So that's only me personally. And, you know, I've worked with other females who have agreed. And the biggest <laughs> one, as you know now, and we've got two pre-nagers. Oh, yes. <laughs> the emotions are high. Oh, yes. Their little emotions are firing in every direction and they don't know what's going on, do they? Exactly. I mean... That's it. It's like sometimes when things are building up on you, this is when you start to realise because the simplest thing could trigger you. Do you know what I mean? It's You could be there cooking. Yeah, yeah. And you drop something, you burn it or whatever and you just think, why? And you just end up in floods of tears over what normally you think is the most mundane thing. And you, that's... You know, when you should start looking out for wee signs, when things like that start triggering you. Um, or even if you find yourself more emotional, like watching The Voice, <laughs> you know what I mean? When somebody like comes on with one of their sub-story songs and you just go, oh, 
start crying and then you think, why, why am I doing this and that, you know, like you think, God, all of a sudden, why is everything affecting me? Maybe that might be a wee sign to look out for. Maybe you're like beginning to face a burnout. Maybe you went, you know, yeah, yeah, something true. like that. You just start to take a wee step back and start taking time for yourself. Make sure you relax, make sure you rest, make sure you're eating properly. And that's really important because that's something that we are both guilty of doing mm -hmm. is burning the candle at both ends of yeah. trying to satisfy family life as well as, you know, put bread and butter on the table and doing the overtime at work. Yeah. I mean, as I, when I was a prison officer, I spent pretty much all of my days at work, mm -hmm. even though, you know, I had my children and you as a partner you never saw me, did you? I was always at work exactly. and it was to try and bring home the bacon, so yeah. to speak. Um, but yeah, it was really difficult because burnout is a really real thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they reckon it's actually quite interlinked with shell shock from a war veteran. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on Reach to Speak Out itself, the other day I actually posted... Um, 12 signs of what to look out for in the event of burnout, mm -hmm. um, which was really interesting. Especially with the pandemic as well, I yeah. think people have really experienced burnout because of the changes. We've had so many changes to deal with. You know, we've gone back to work, some of us, then they've put the brakes on and the kids have gone back to school, then they've not. And it's been so difficult. And as we know, it's fact that people struggle with change. Yeah. So... Yes. And that's it, like you say, talking about burnout, you know, for me, I do like overtime and all that as well. And just like I said, the other week, you know, I had that incident in work where I'd been awake for like 30 hours, been in, done a shift, came home, ended up home for about an hour or two, then back and done a night shift. Mm. Guy tried to take his own life, a genuine case, you know, he wasn't doing it for manipulation, he wasn't doing it for a cry for help, this was in a, a genuine case, yeah. he wanted to die, he told me so when I was in the hospital with him, and it was pretty traumatic, it's the worst thing I've seen since I've been there, and you know, like, driving home, that's when it hit me, like I say, where there was a mix of tiredness, there was hunger, hunger for not eating right, yeah. and, uh, and then when you phoned me, uh, just like you said, are you okay? And normally I would just brush things off, like, yep, yep, I'm good, but I couldn't. I just you couldn't, couldn't speak to me, could you? Yeah. And I just knew there and exactly. there. Exactly, I just couldn't hold back, and that was it. Then the tears came, and I'm like, no, I'm not good. This has happened, this is, and I don't know why it's affecting me. You know, it's, you know, it's burnout, you're tired, you know, I've done that. And it was, you know, a pretty hard-hitting thing. So for my advice to anybody that is in a really challenging job, and it might not just be working with the public, it could be all kinds of stresses, mm -hmm. um, you've got to look after yourself. Yeah. You know, it's really hard and it's something that I'm trying to practice more and more. Um, you know, we watch what we now eat and try and get a lot more sleep and you know, it is about having a balance, making sure that you get outside and get some fresh air, even when you really don't want to. There's one thing that I say to my girls, and they go, I don't want to go for a walk, 
well, let's see how you feel at the scale. You know, say naught is the worst, ten's the best. And like, let's say there are three before we go out. And then, you know, they're, they're buzzing. Yeah, they're normally yeah. eight, nine, ten when we get back. Exactly. They've loved it. Yeah. It is proven, though, isn't it, that exercise does yeah. help you. And, you know, it's not even strenuous exercise. We're just doing a nice light walk. Exactly. Just get out and walk from your local area. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And just, you don't need to think about anything. You know, you just walk, relax, and just, like, take thinking take things in that's happening around about you that maybe you normally wouldn't yeah just take a moment to yourself just to like watch the wildlife to be honest and that's it and just sit there or even just people watch people just seeing people go about their normal daily lives and you just like you can just relax you know one thing alone. that i absolutely love to do is when i am feeling in a really difficult place and i do force myself to get out we've got two pugs a lot of people already know so we we get a lot of attention because they are wee characters aren't they yeah. they're really funny exactly. um especially my female she's just mm. like hello anybody that comes near us anybody. friends mm. um and it's very hard to ignore anybody who approaches mm. them and you tend to get a smile, a hello, a conversation. And nine times out of ten, I try to go for a 20-minute walk mm -hmm. and I'm not back for about an hour because I have stopped exactly. and spoken to so many people. I know. And that's it. And sometimes that's all it is. You know, if you've got a dog, take it out for an extra wee walk. Let's see, if not, just go. If you see some yeah. dog... Me, I think dogs are great for therapy. Absolutely. And that's it. They're just fantastic wee animals and they're always happy to see you yeah you know whether it be your own dog or somebody else's dog if you're just walking along and a dog comes by you just give it a wee stroke you know what i mean get a wee clap and that's it and it's just things will start just to ease a wee bit just to like put out there though just make sure you ask for the permission if you can stroke the dog i don't i <laughs> just stroke let me stroke your dog <laughs> No, definitely. You've got to ask for permission because you don't know what the dog's like. Yeah. It might be a nervous dog. Yeah. People might be nervous. But but genuinely, yeah. you know, many people, you know, yeah, dogs 100%. come up to you anyway and they don't give you an opportunity to ask. Yeah. They just get in there. That's it. A lot of dogs just come up and stroke me. But yeah, just make sure that's it. You know, people are okay with it. So that leads us on to like the final point really that I wanted to cover. I don't know whether, you know, anybody who's listening has ever heard of an emergency crisis plan. Now, you don't ever have to have gone into crisis to create one of these. And it's a really, really useful tool to have. It's almost like a written contract that you have signed between you and a trusted person or trusted people. And it is where you sit and think about how you feel when you go downhill with your mental health, may, what some of the triggers might be, what some of your behaviours that you've displayed previously. So for me, I tend to shut myself away in the bedroom. And you know, don't you, Andy, when I'm, when I'm low. But one of the things is, is that if you can speak to somebody so my chosen person is Andy and along with my dad 
um, and an, a very good friend of mine. So I've got three people that I may end up having to call upon upon all of the same day, or it might be in intervals. But what what happens is is they have a piece of paper that I've written down, and it's I am going to try and listen to music if I start feeling really down, or I'm going to allow myself to have a little bit extra in bed, um, because I need to sleep. Um, also. A big thing is if I get to the point of crisis and I've been speaking to these people, you know, they may take my car keys off me. They may take any medication that's been in the house away from me. Um, You know, I do apologise if that triggers anybody, but the way that I have attempted to take my life previously is through medication. But it's about being open and honest and it's about expecting those people around you when they know that you're in crisis, to remain calm, to listen to you, to be approachable and non-judgmental. And that's why it's really important to pick people, yes, that love you, um, but that aren't going to try and protect you out of anger and frustration because yeah. that doesn't do anybody any any favours. Exactly, and that's it. And like I say, you know, like, when, you know, on mobile phones we've talked about before, you know, having that uh, in case emergency number and just make people aware of it, you know, it's there, just say, for argument's sake, you know, worst comes to worst, somebody feels they've done something or whatever and they've, they've got this there, like, you know, somebody finds their phone and they're worried about them. Yeah. They can just, like, dial this, you know, one of these contacts and just say, listen, I'm worried about this person, can you just come and just help? So what's that called again, Andy? It's ICE, ICE, in case of emergency. Right, okay. And you have them saved on your phone. Yeah. So even if your phone's locked and all that, you can still, yeah. somebody could f- pick your phone up and yeah. dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. say, like, you know, say somebody, you find somebody wandering and they're in a bit of a state and all that and, you know, or they're incoherent, they can't talk or, you know, God forbid they've got to that stage where they've taken some medication and that, and then you've got that. You can dial it and say, "Listen." Obviously, after you've dialed whoever you need to, and just say, "Listen, I found so and so here. They need help. Can you just, you know, you're one of your contacts. Can you come around, please, and just." Yeah. Help? So anyone who's got a mobile phone, it might be really useful to have a look at your settings mm-hmm. or to Google, you know, ICE um, and how to set that up on your mobile. Yeah. Um, you know, that could be an absolute lifesaver. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah. Well, also, just before we finish, as a part of that emergency crisis plan, one of the good things about it is that, <laughs> let's say I want to give you shit because I'm not in a very rational thinking state of mind. Mm-hmm. You can turn around and say, well, actually, Amy, you're the one who's told me that this is what's going to help you. Mm-hmm. And this is word for word what you've written down and what we've all agreed with you. So it's not to be an arse or anything, but it's just to reaffirm that what you guys are doing as my emergency point of contact is putting me in a position where I've actually agreed to that when I'm in a rational state. And it's almost like a really good way. It's like it's like the lifeline, isn't it, that you throw around the waist and the the rubber rubber ring and you reel me back in. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's really good. If you have a look at Mind Charity online, you will see that they have emergency crisis plan uh, templates, which is really, really good. 
We also have them on Reach to Speak Out as well, which is our official Facebook group. Um, that's Reach to Speak Out Mental Health Partnership Service. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and um, listening to Andy's point of view. I certainly have. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to be part of it. Yeah, no, it's been really informative. Yeah. And um, we will be back soon, definitely. Um, but for now, we wish you um, to stay safe and good health. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again. See you soon. Take care, people. Bye, folks. <laughs>